It's good to be with you in kind of a different fashion this morning. Um, it is a blessing to be here to share uh, from God's word today with you. And, you know, we're entering into a new season. As Pastor Mike talked about, we are entering into this season called Lent. And uh, it's hard to believe that we're kind of here. The reason being that uh, Christmas feels like it was just kind of last month for me. I mean, I don't know about you, um, but actually it was quite, quite literally, I think it was just about a month ago. As a matter of fact, I even know of some people that still have their Christmas lights up. Ain't that right, Travis Grins? All right. Now, for the next seven weeks, we're going to be going through um, the book of John, but our key passage actually comes from uh, Philippians 3, uh, 10 and 11. Let's go ahead and read this together. This is on page 981 of the Bible that's in front of you, if you'd like to get that out. But let's go ahead and read this. One, two, go. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And this season, I, I don't know about you, some, when I think about Lent, I mean, it, it brings up, you know, laundry and doing stuff like that, the stuff that you find in your pocket. But this, this Wednesday, we're going we're gonna to start into this story of Lent. And Lent is actually what it is, is it's an ancient Christian tradition to remember Jesus, to get to know him and prepare our hearts for Good Friday. And another day... Wait for it. Resurrection Sunday. Let's just get in that spirit a little bit more. Resurrection Sunday. Now, for those of you who haven't necessarily gone through this season with us, um, that might have seemed a little funny, a little weird. But when we say the word, phrase, Resurrection Sunday, we get a little excited. And I'll be the first to tell you that it's a little weird. But the truth is, the gospel's a little weird. And we're okay with it. Go ahead and write these verses down here. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here that kind of tell the story as to why we get excited. I've been going through the book of Romans. And if you have the opportunity this week, go ahead and just and cruise through that book. It is, it is a beautiful book. Romans 5.12 says, sin came into the world through one man, that man being Adam, and death to sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is a way of us saying we recognize that there is a problem with this world. There's a problem here. We see it. We're under this curse that our ancestors so happily just gave to us. Thanks. I don't know about you. Do you guys ever, this is, this is weird. Maybe this, I shouldn't say this, but um, like when you, when you turn the keys to your car and it doesn't start, do you ever think, thanks, Adam? I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it happens to me. But, but here's in Romans 8, 1 through 2. This is why we get excited. Because though there, we live in a fallen world, there is sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And that is worth getting excited about, right? Amen. All right. Yeah, here we go. Woohoo! But here's the thing. In order to fully appreciate what the Lord has done for us, for what he's accomplished in his Easter victory, we as a church choose to walk through the reality of sin, the reality of the cost of sin that sent our Savior to suffer and to die for something he didn't do. Essentially, we choose to immerse ourselves in the story of his sacrifice because as Paul wrote, we want to know Christ. So this season of Lent is a special time for our church and for believers in Christ Jesus to take time to think, to reflect, to pray over the cost of sin, to get into the story. So some of us, to help along, we choose to give up something that we enjoy for Lent. And one, one year, I remember, I, I chose to a specific day of the week that I would fast for 24 hours from food. And inevitably what would happen is that the, those hunger pains would come on, right? You haven't had food for 24 hours. Eventually, some, you know, your body's going to tell you, eat. But whenever they would come on, it would cause me to remember to turn my eyes toward Christ and remember of his suffering and his pain was far greater than mine. (laughs) To remember his 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And compared to that, 24 hours is a cakewalk. And I do want to say this. I mean, I think we all would, would agree to this, but I just want to put it on the table that sacrificing something for Lent does not make Jesus love you more. It is impossible that he can love you more. He proved it when he went to one of those for us. He cannot love us anymore. Instead, what it does is it causes us to appreciate and to deepen our appreciation for what he did. It's essentially a time to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Now, if you're like, if you're like me, and I think, I think a lot of us are, is that if you've been a believer for a long time, there's this, this tendency for those who know the story to understand and say, I, I've got it, that's great, to kind of go on autopilot. It's a good story. I, I mean, I believe it and all that stuff. But let me encourage you, especially for the long believers too, as it says in Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is living and active. That means that it comes alive and meets you where you are in life. And if knowing Christ is our deepest desire, then it's got to be something more than just head knowledge. Right? I, I can't tell you how many you know, professors and stuff you see on the History Channel saying they know about the story of Jesus, but then you ask, do you really know him? Because if you do, the gospel would be much different in the way you talk about it. 
it comes alive in us. So I want to encourage you, everybody, regardless of how long you've been in Christ's story, to take this time to get immersed in the story because it's more than just historical events. Because getting involved in this resurrection story means that you may know Christ at a better and deeper level and have a deeper appreciation for the gift of the Father's grace. So as Pastor Mike said, we're, you know, this Wednesday, we're going to have a special Ash Wednesday service at 7 o'clock. I would encourage you to be here. Fill this room, not just with your bodies, but also with your expectations. Fill it with your expectations that God is going to do something different and good in your life. That he is going to move in your life in a way that you haven't seen. I think all too often, we, we as believers, um, we don't expect things of God. We don't come with expectation and waiting for him to move. And we miss a lot of things. So expect him to do something here in you. Because getting in his story increases its personal worth. It doesn't mean that, you know, Christ dying on the cross means something more. But what it does is it means it means it becomes more personal to you. It becomes more valuable to yourself. Now, I, I think that there's, there's something, if you haven't caught on, I've been saying this word story a while, because there's something about it. It's, it's like hardwired into our DNA. So much so that when Christ came down, what did he, how did he communicate heavenly truths? With parables, with stories, so that we could understand we used to tell stories uh, way, 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 way back in the day. It would just be by oral tradition around a campfire, things like that. And then we would have uh, pictures and then written word and then the recorded word on radio and things like that. And now we have multimedia, we have Facebook, we have all this stuff. And all of it is, what, what, what attracts us to it is, is a story, good stories. Now, this is a moment, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be honest right here. And it may cause my wife to sink a little bit further down into her chair. Um, But I am going to admit in front of you that I am a little bit of a nerd. And I brought proof that I'm a little bit of a nerd. um, Because I like Star Wars and Star Trek. And you know what's funny is at the moment I said those two in those two places, I think you guys got a a little bit more uh, empathetic towards Tasha. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to show you the depth of it, here's, here's my proof. I brought my lightsaber right here. I think I'm just going to preach like this the rest of the time. I keep this in my office because it's, I, I, it's my thinking lightsaber. Whenever I need to think or something like that, I just kind of grab it and swing it around. Um, I, pre- I only do that with the door closed because until now, nobody knew I had it in there except for my kids. But, so I'm sorry, honey. Um, but while we're on that topic, has, has anybody seen the new Star Wars movie? Go ahead and raise your hand. It's okay. You're not self-professing like I am that I'm a nerd. Now, do you remember that one part in the movie where they're on the planet and that thing happens and you were like, No! 
no, JJY. JJ Abrams is the director of Star Wars. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's just more evidence of how nerdy I am. I know who did it. <laughs> now, if you haven't seen the movie, this is not an <laughs> advertisement, go see it. Uh, but that sentence really didn't make much sense, did it? But for those of you who have, for those of you who have been involved in that story, you know exactly what I was talking about. Now, I bet you even remember how you felt when that event happened. The same goes for getting involved with the story of Christ. If all you get is the little tidbits and pieces that people give you without diving in yourself, you miss a bunch. You miss the whole purpose of the story of the cross. Now, if you've seen just that movie, that just that Star Wars movie right there, you probably enjoyed it, unless you were being drugged there by your husband or your boyfriend or something like that. But you probably enjoyed it. But for those of you who have been a fan since the original 1977 New Hope, you knew that this is the first time that the original cast was getting together since the original trilogy. And I bet when those opening credits started rolling, you cheered just a little bit. If not out loud, in your heart. Okay, just me? All right, that's good. (laughs) But the same goes for the story of the cross. With your relationship with Christ, the longer your relationship grows in him, the sweeter it becomes. Here's Here's an old hymn. Of Jesus, the sweetest name I know. The sweetest name I know. We love a good story, don't we? The question that I have for you today, though, and the challenge that I have for you today, is who is authoring your story? Are you authoring your own tale and saying, I'm going to go here, Lord, I'm going to go over here and Come along and just bless it, please. Are you saying, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Um, Come along. Maybe even a better question is, are you even considering him when you're making those choices? Or are you letting him author your story and asking him where you should go? Do you have... I've lived on this earth for about 32 years now. By now, in Jesus' time, he changed the world. So pressure's on, got one more year. But one of the things that I've learned in this life, happy wife, happy life. And the second thing is when you write your own story, You rob God of the opportunity to bless you. You can even write a harsher word there if you want. Uh, You you, uh, steal from God the opportunity to bless you. Sometimes you, you 
might feel like, maybe I don't want to go to church. I'd rather watch the 55 hours of pregame that's happening today. Well, I, they only let me do this once in a while, and we've got until 3.30, so buckle up. We're going to be here a while. Just kidding. You may not want to go to church, but maybe that day God had pre-written, pre-designed somebody that day to speak into your life in a way that nobody has before. Maybe he's going to provide a scripture that you would not have heard if he had not shown up that day. Sometimes he does it in a physical way too. This is a, uh, another kind of thing that happened to me. You know, we've got family with five kids, so we're doing laundry like 24-7. Um, and uh, our dryer went out. And if, if you know anything, dry, I mean, that's, that's kind of an essential piece to the whole clothes washing thing. For a week, we had our own laundry service with her parents, but I sense they kind of got tired of doing that. But what I did is I decided, okay, I just got to go buy, buy a new one. Thank you, Lord, for opening Lowe's. That's great. Walked in, got the new dryer, had it delivered. It dries things great. But I kid you not, a day later, I got a phone call from a friend saying, I heard you need a new dryer. I have one here that I'm not using. It's old, but it still dries things. That's not the first time something like that has happened to me. That's not to say that, you know, you should do that in every circumstance. I mean, if you're on the side of the road, you have AAA and you have a flat tire, you don't just sit there and pray, Lord, bring somebody by with the right tire size and the proper equipment. He'd probably say, hey, you got AAA for that. <laughs> you rob God of the opportunity to bless you. Go ahead and write this down. This is in Ephesians 2.10. Another one of the writings of Paul. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works which God prepared for beforehand so that we may walk in them. God has written a story from before we, our parents even knew about us. The question is, are you letting him author it or are you trying to? Are you getting involved in his or are you trying to make your own path? I was talking to a friend earlier this week and we... Uh, we're talking about these anecdotes of life and things like that. And he, he said this, that life is like a road with a ton of blind turns. You can't see what's coming at you. You can't see where you're going. But God is like a helicopter pilot. And he can see everything, every danger, every turn. Why would you not trust his judgment? Too often we just try and take the turns ourselves. So I want to tell you a little bit of a brief story. I mean, our key passage is, was written by this guy with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, his, his name is Paul. You can find his story in Acts, chapters 8 and 9, at least the beginning parts of it. But in Philippians chapter 3, where our key verse is, uh, at the beginning he has this wonderful um, summary of his life. In verses four through six, this is on page 981 of the book, he writes that essentially, he essentially authored the most perfect religious story in all of Judaism. 
He knew everything about the scriptures, like the back of his hand, observed every law. He was the top dog of religious leaders. So much so that he took joy when Christians were persecuted, when they were jailed, when they were stoned. Because he thought that they were telling lies about this heretic named Jesus about his God. And yes, in my notes, that's a lowercase g because that is the God that he authored. Let's pick this up at verse seven though. But whatever I gain I had, I count it a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, having a righteousness, uh, not a righteousness of my own, but that which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ through the righteousness of God that depends on faith. Essentially what he's saying is that everything he gained through writing his own story, wealth, power, everything, is worth nothing. Garbage. Worthless compared to knowing Christ. And in verse 10, it's where we pick up our key passage. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I don't know about you, but when I consider Paul, I kind of think of him as this kind of giant in the Christian faith. In our New Testament, he authored roughly half of the books that are in there. He knew the, the scriptures like the back of his hand. He kind of had, the, for the time, the doctoral degree of that. He even met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He knew about Jesus. The disciples were right there. And yet he still writes, I want to know him, which is not just this, because he had plenty of the knowledge up there. It means something more. By him saying, I want to know Christ, he's saying, I want to be like Christ. I want to become like him in the suffering. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2, he writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. See, before he authored his own story, he had everything that the world could offer. He says it's worth nothing. When he got into the story of Christ, life wasn't a bed of roses either. Pastor Scott, over the last few weeks, talking about following in his steps, and he talked about waiting, suffering. And Paul waited. He suffered. He sacrificed. He experienced loss. Those verses that we read earlier, verses 7 through 9, he said the word loss three different times. I think he was trying to get a point across. But yet he considers all of that nothing. 
all of the things that he lost in this world compared to the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. And the older I'm getting, um, the more these words mean to me. They're coming alive a little bit more. Because there is no iPhone, there's no job title. There's no paycheck, there's no award. There's nothing better than knowing Christ. Amen? So I want to ask you, um, again, who is authoring your story? Are you trying to do it alone? And when I say alone, I, I, I don't necessarily mean with just God too, but are you doing it alone with no brothers and sisters to help you? No godly men and women who are holding you accountable. Are you trying to make something happen for yourself when God is saying, let's do it this way. This is my way. I guess as I was studying this week, this one question is the summation of of it all. Do you want to know Christ more than anything? Even write that down too. Do you want to know Christ more than anything? More than that promotion? More than that job? Because the pale, rubbish glories of this world are nothing compared to the ones that he has for us in this life and in the next. I've got an illustration I want to show you here. Uh, Matt is going to grab something for me here. You see, God has written this story and we have a choice to get involved or to not or with a not. <laughs> you see, we're going to imagine here that this is the, uh, the time continu- continuum which God has made going all the way back to creation and out that door into eternity. And you guys did a stellar job wrapping that up after first service. (laughs) We'll just take what we got here. It's less awkward. Yeah. So let's imagine that this right here is creation. And this goes out all the way through eternity. No, that's, that's not a bad decision. That's just the tribulation. <laughs> um, and this right here, this little tape mark is your story and your life. This is what you get right here. This is all that you get. Are you going to be a part of God's story 
that continues on forever. And this tape mark right here is what you get to impact the rest of that. You never know when your tape mark is going to end. Some of us, it could be today. And a lot of times we don't live with that kind of urgency, do we? And the truth is, is that this little tape mark right here, this story of ours that plays into the larger story of God's redemption has the power to impact other people's stories, good or bad. Are you gonna let God author your story? Are you gonna get in what he has involved in his? So I just wanna say, let God be the author of yours. Let God author your story. And this season, get to know Christ, become more like him. Read the first four gospels. Read the bread project. Because again, we're not guaranteed when our tape is gonna end. We just know that at some point, we're gonna meet him. We're gonna meet Jesus. Either he's coming or we're going. And our story has the opportunity to impact eternity. When everything fades, this remains. The words on these pages remain. I want to read to you a story that's really impacted me for the last few weeks. Um, I, don't, I can't guarantee I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get through it because it's just that beautiful. This is a story of a Muslim Iranian mother and daughter. They both grew up a devout Muslim. The daughter would memorize the Quran daily before school. She observed all their customs. The Muslim faith was such fervor. Unlike Paul, because she had a little g, God, she took joy when she heard about Christians being persecuted and slaughtered. Later on in life, her mother became stricken with multiple sclerosis and became very ill. Her daughter cried out to Allah, but she felt distant from him and became extremely depressed. And that caused her to decide to end her life. But before she did, her mother asked, because of her own suffering, that she would take hers as well. And on the night that they were going to end their lives, her mother was watching TV, and a Christian preacher came on. And he said these words, if you are hopeless, if you are oppressed, If you are planning to end your life, stop. 
the Lord has a hope for you and a future. If you are going to kill yourself, stop and call me. And something in that caused the mom to pick up the phone. She called and talked to the pastor for about a half an hour. The daughter started to become furious because she heard the mother say the prayer of salvation. She pled with her daughter to talk to this man, hear about Jesus. To which she said, Jesus is nothing. You profane the name of Muhammad. Now eventually she didn't give in to the mother's wishes and spoke to the preacher. To which he said, he told her, Muhammad has done nothing for you. Give Jesus a chance. And she agreed to give Jesus a week. If she had done, if he had done nothing for her, at the end of that week, he would, she would call in to the preacher, say that Jesus is a fraud and take her life on air. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. Early next morning, she woke because uh, there was a rustling. She heard a sound and she found her mother walking upright for the first time without any pain. And she got worried because her mother's condition had changed that something might've been going wrong. So she took her to the hospital. And after several blood tests and the doctor came out and to the two women and said, this is a miracle. There is no MS in your mother's body. What teacher did you pray to? What imam did you pray to? Was searching for the answer. And what came out of her mouth was nothing but a miracle. It was no imam. It was Jesus. And when she said those words, her heart was changed. She proclaimed then and there to that doctor that Jesus is the one true living God. And today, Padina and her mother live in Iran, ministering to the underground church to proclaim Jesus Christ as the one true living God. Amen? This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we worship. Why would we not want to get involved in his story? Too often we try and do it on our own. When he's saying, I've got something better for you. And today I want to challenge you. Let, let him be author your story. But at the same time, if you are a believer and you are dealing with sin, repent now. You don't know when your tape is out. If you have chose, haven't chosen Jesus Christ as the living God, repent now because you don't know when your tape is out. The scriptures say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart 
that he was raised from the dead, then you are a part of his story. Don't wait. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, it humbles me to think that you would call us. I think of the words of Paul. He says he's the chief of most of all sinners. And there are times when I think if he's the chief, then I must be the fool. But Lord, you still see fit to call us, to call us your children. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, Abba, Father, which means we get to call you Daddy. You call us into your story. Do not put off getting to know Jesus. Whether you are a believer or you haven't made the decision yet, do it today. Come as you are. Don't let a moment go by because what we do here affects eternity. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son for your Holy Spirit who guides us, for your word that is eternal. We confess that we give everything to you.